Welcome to the Swirl Suite, everybody. This week on the podcast, we have two very hardworking men. So our first guest is Mike Fayad, and he's the general manager of Hearth and Hill, which is a family-run restaurant in Park City, Utah. Our other guest who joins us is Yuav Galat. Now, Yuav was a whole lawyer and pivoted towards wine and created the Cannonball Wine Company, which is now Share a Splash Wine Company. So some of the brands that you might see are Cannonball Wines and Angels and Cowboys. Yuav believes in producing high quality wines at an affordable price point. So all of his wines are under 20 bucks. We have an amazing conversation with these guys. Let us know what you think. Cheers. Welcome to the Swell Suite, everybody. Glennis, we have another storm that we are sitting through. How are you? Do you have power? Oh, yes, I have power and it's not raining on this side of town yet. So are you kidding? Wow. It's been yeah. pouring for an hour here. That's what my cousin said. They just got here. They just dropped their daughter off for a second year in Howard. Um, go Bison. And um, she was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to give that shameless plug all the time. Um, she and she was saying that they are getting she was getting flash flood alerts. I was like, yeah, not even raining, the sun's shining, but it's getting darker. So we'll see what happens. But it very seldom floods here in, in this part of Maryland. Um around my house so we'll just see what happens man uh, yeah yeah this weather is a mess tanisha hey girl how is hey girl hey paris hi how, how you are doing you? <laughs> how are you <laughs> what's happening wait so i have a question what is summer like in paris is it hot it can be yes hot during the day but it gets um chilly at night like you need like long sleeves or a light jacket well, that's so nice. now what so what is your definition of hot for paris as far as um it's getting in the 90s climate oh well yeah that's oh. so okay 90s is happening with no ac um luckily oh, it doesn't stay there it's it's hanging out around the mid to upper 80s hmm. oh okay wow Ooh. yeah because we are i feel like we're just drowning we are either drowning our own in our own sweat because it's so hot or we're just <laughs> drowning in rain none of those sound ideal both of those no. sound like i mean it, no the moisture in the air is unbelievable even when it's not raining because it's just that humid <clears throat> yeah so yeah i don't yeah. miss that dc humidity i do not oh it's not a game yeah i don't Mm-mm. Uh how was y'all's weekend? Did you do anything fun? Ooh, it was not busy. one fun thing. <laughs> <laughs> In Paris, not one fun thing. Not one fun thing. Do you hear me? Not one. <laughs> well, you know what? You deserve a rest after <laughs> all the traveling you've been doing. So that makes sense. Well, I had um some of my line sisters were in town for an event that um I support that I'm one of the hostesses for. It's called 12 Days of Christmas, and we have a party with a purpose where we support 65 to 70 families and we give them from the proceeds that we um, get from the party, we provide each family at least 65 kids with 300 or more dollars to support Mm -hmm. their back to school. And we do the same thing around Christmas. So they have things under the tree. So it's a great organization. It's called 12 Days Christmas. That's nice. nice. That's really nice. So we raised um, $22,000 wow. on Thursday. 
um, for the kids and we got our um, cards to go shopping for, you know, we talked to the families in advance and if, you know, get like a middle school child, they might need some high tech science calculator or whatever. Um, some need uniforms, some may need a computer. So I take my $300, go out, depending on what my family needs. And if I have left over, I might support another one of the hostesses family because they might need a bigger ticket item. So, mm. so wow. we just make sure they're, they're prepared. The families that we support, we just make sure they're prepared. And we get families by word of mouth. So if you know any um, needy families in the DMV, because we are the DC Metro chapter of 12 Days of Christmas, let me know so I could put them in touch with the Virginia chair, the Maryland chair, the DC chair, and get them on the list for um, our next event, our, you know, our next round of su- providing support. That's amazing. I will put that in the show notes. I, I love that. Oh, excellent. 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 I will send you um, a link for the next time to support. You could come, you and Alan just come hang out and party with a purpose. There you go. Because you know exactly where the funds are going. It, we use none of it for overhead. I didn't do well, girl, what did you do? I, I really didn't yeah. do much this weekend. It was one of the few weekends where I had no plans. And it was all nice and slushies. And I don't know. Your life. <laughs> okay. So what Tanisha is talking about, y'all. My friend, she gave me this thing um, called a Zoku, right? Well, no, that's <laughs> the brand. Zoku is the brand. And they make all types of things. And they make a slushy maker. But it's very like, it's not electronic. You don't need electricity or anything for it. You just take the the cup out and you put it in the freezer and you just freeze it and you put whatever juice or whatever liquid you want into this cup. And it comes with a little spoon. And because the cup is frozen, it turns whatever's liquid, whatever liquid is in the cup into a slushy. And it's, it's, it, it worked. And of course I made a boozy one. And I added, <laughs> I, I added, um, uh, Chacho is a local distillery here and they make an infused jalapeno spirit. And I added that to a fruit juice that I made here and I just stirred it and it became a slushy and it was awesome. Nice. Oh, that sounds yeah. good. It was Yum. so, re- it was so refreshing. It was good. I you yeah. definitely needed something refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking of jalapeno, have you tried this um, putting the jalapenos in rosé? Like, have you seen these videos going on on social media where they're doing the jalapenos in the rosé? Have you done I'm this? I'm not doing that. No, I don't it? think I could do that. No, no. Have you done it? You did it, Tanisha. How was it? No, girl, you know I don't like jalapenos. You don't like jalapenos. Right, see, what, you see, that's the only reason. Wait. I don't like jalapenos. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> why don't you like jalapenos? Like, you know I don't really do spicy. Well, I'm telling you, this jalapeno tequila that I have, Mm -hmm. it's not spicy to the point where you're like, oh my God, this is burning my palate. It is just, it gives it just the right amount of spice, but not heat. Mm. And it makes a very good margarita. So, Mm. yeah. But I don't know about messing up my rosé wine with no. I'm not doing that with wine. I I feel like the winemakers work too hard for me to just push it in it and fuck it up. I feel like I will have to do that with like can't do that. Fifth rate rosé. Okay. Uh, Okay. And making a punch of some sort. So right, maybe like if I'm trying to zhuzh up some rosé that came out of a box, like oh, let's throw some jalapenos in it. (laughs) But wait, so they wait. Can I ask? Are they throwing fresh jalapenos or just? canned or it doesn't matter 
I'll get ready to say pickle jalapenos would be even worse. They would have to be fresh. That would be even worse. Why is this a trend? Why is this a trend? (laughs) Why is anything a trend? I know. Hmm. I know. I know. But well, this is anything a a trend. trend. But no, they're fresh. They look to be fresh. This is good. This should be a trend. (laughs) That's a good segue. That's a good segue. Absolutely. Angels so, and Cowboys. I'm really interested. We are in drinking how they got that name. Yes. I don't know Angels with Cowboys. So, <laughs> yeah, we're drinking a, a sparkling rose uh, method, traditional, brute, yum. And our special guests are here and they're going to tell us we'll all about, about this. So, feel free to jump in, guys. We have Mike and we have Yav. Welcome Hello. to Express Week. Yo, welcome. Yeah. What's up? Hey, everyone. Great to be here. <laughs> so please introduce yourselves to everybody, both of you. All right. Uh, my name is Mike Fad. I'm the general manager and wine buyer for Hearth and Hill, which is a restaurant in Park City, Utah. Hello, I'm Yoav Gilat. Um, I'm based in uh, California, Hillsborough, California. Um, right now, I'm actually in Portland, Oregon. Uh, to meet our distributor here, but um, I'm uh, the founder of Share Splash, which uh, makes uh, Angels and Cowboys, the yummy bubbles that you're drinking right now, and also Cannonball and High Dive and the importer of uh, Astrolab from New Zealand and Twin Vines from Portugal. Man, wait, so, let, so let's back up you up. You had a whole career in law and then pivoted to wine. Tell yeah. us how that happened. <laughs> I'm a recovering attorney. So I, I only, in my long career, end after three years, I decided that's enough for me. Um, I'm, um, you can probably hear from my accent. I wasn't born in California exactly. Um, and uh, I don't know how I can't get rid of my accent. So um, I was born and raised in Israel. Um, and as a good Jewish boy, you have three options. You can be a doctor, a lawyer, or a complete failure. So I decided to go with option two and become a lawyer, became a lawyer. Um, that didn't really work for a long time. I just didn't enjoy it, to be honest. And uh, I just decided at some point that um, I need to do something from the heart, something that I uh, would love to wake up in the morning, look at the mirror before I go to bed and be happy and proud and feel that I'm actually doing something that, uh, from the heart. Uh, and that's why I decided that's no more law for me. Um, and uh, I never look back, to be honest. I'm super, super happy and I love what I do. And uh, I, that's the advice I give my kids and, uh, and my employees and all my friends as well. Make sure that you do something that you won't look back at some point and say, I should have, I would have, uh, I could have. I think you need to live the moment and uh, make the best out of it. So it was my decision. So, Mike, what about you? How did you become a wine buyer? Uh, I was the son of two lawyers, so I know that game. Um, and uh, naturally, me and my sister gravitated towards the wine industry. <laughs> um, I started off, uh, I don't know, at a young age, breaking into my parents' wine, wine collection. Um, but then uh, my sister had started working in restaurants in New York City. Um, I had uh, decided to drop out of college. I moved up to New York City and started in Spanish restaurants uh, that had a wine focus to them um, and just sort of fell in love with it. Uh, From there, I continued working in restaurants, but I moved into the retail section of everything. 
and that's really where like uh my 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 horizon sort of expanded uh because i was working exclusively with spanish wines before that um but i was working in a small sort of esoteric wine shop in brooklyn um during the day and then the restaurant at night and uh from there, just sort of did the restaurant thing, moved out to Utah, um, which uh, has its issues which, with, uh, with liquor and alcohol distribution. Um, but, uh, and then I, I got into management and started, started buying wine for restaurants, running beverage programs, and um, took the position with Hearth and Hill about 15 months ago and uh, been buying wine for them and running their restaurant ever since. I have a question for you. I know you were kind of, I know you were joking about your parents' um, wine cellar, but was wine something that was discussed around you guys? Was it served with dinner growing up? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I didn't have, it seems to me that uh, that you had like a serious uh, wine collection at home. Our wines were stored in the perfect place above the fridge. Perfect temperature, the one that you probably experienced in Paris a week ago. Uh, above 95 degrees probably so not the best uh, not the, the best uh, temperature to to store your wine but we had wine all the I mean the wine was around the table we had guests all the time uh, uh, guests and family were drinking Campari martinis uh, it was all around and we were exposed to that in a very very young age uh, in a really good way I think this is actually the best way not to come to the age of 60 and trying to sneak behind your parents uh, and uh, and so we were, so it was always there. It was, to be honest, pretty shitty wine. It wasn't the best wine in the world, but it was, it was great to be exposed and great to basically know that there is wine on the table. And, and it, it, we usually pair it with, not pair it with food, but there, there was food and wine and you just don't just drink a bottle of wine on your own. And so I think it really helped me to kind of look at it in a different way and when I was 15 I came here for the first time to California and I was uh, I was uh, lucky enough to stay with my cousins that were uh, members of the Ridge Montebello club and, the, and the, I was exposed to a really good wine and I was like wow this really tastes good so imagine that at the age of I don't know 15 16 that was the first sip of like wine that I was like wow I can drink that not all day but I can drink it every day um, so that's that's how it started for me in terms of like really falling in love and understanding and being here in Santa Cruz Mountains in California and just seeing it all firsthand. Uh, so I was wowed by by it all, by California, by you know, by the just the whole climate of Napa Valley around you and the wine country. That's uh, that's my story. I think for me, like uh, uh, my parents, more yeah, they they definitely had wine present in a lot of meals. Uh, my dad was also a Scotch enthusiast, um, but but for me, they they my dad was a big time home cook. He cooked a ton, and it was always delicious. Whenever we host family gatherings, it was always at our house, um, just because everybody loved his food. He was slower than anything in the kitchen, so it was kind of a nightmare. Um, but uh, I think what that instilled in me, and, and they were always taking me and my sister out to restaurants that we had no appreciation for at the time. Uh, the Inn at Little Washington sticks out, which is obviously DC's yeah. three Michelin mm -hmm. star restaurant. Um, and I've been, I've been there, I think they said twice, and I have like no recollection of it. Um, but, uh, but they would take us to places like that and, uh, and cook great meals and drink good wine. And uh, 
I think that's sort of why uh, when me and my sister were kind of like wondering what do we do when we become adults that we gravitated towards the restaurant industry initially. And, uh, and yeah, I'm super happy for that. I mean, uh, I love restaurants. Uh, I love what I do every day and uh, I'm incredibly grateful for the experience my parents gave me growing up with, uh, with both food and beverage. Why can I like imagine you and your sister, like having like, I don't know, weekly or like monthly dinners where you just eat good food and drink good wine because that's what you grew up with. We, we did that for a while when we were both living in New York, because I mean, I, we, I lived walking distance from her, from her apartment. She's, she's now out of restaurants and works for uh, Jose Pastor Selections, which is a wine importer based out of Brooklyn. They import primarily Spanish wine, um, also some Mexican and South American wines with a heavy focus on the natural aspect of things. Uh, but yeah, we, we still relish in those moments today when we do get to see each other. We just had we just had kids two months apart, too. So, yeah, exciting stuff. We're meeting up in Glacier National Park in a little bit, and I'm excited for it. I already have the wine picked out. <laughs> but will she be able to drink? Is she breastfeeding? Uh, I'm sure she'll have a glass or two. I haven't asked yeah. her about the breastfeeding. Okay. <laughs> she can pump and dump. She can um, pump and dump. Right, they have those test strips now. <laughs> We should have had her on too. This is true. So you have, please tell us about Cannonball Wines and how that even started. Yeah, so I, uh, I basically in 2005, 2006, I went to business school uh, I, uh, in California. I went to Berkeley and to Columbia, actually. I did, uh, did got my uh, business degree there and um, and kind of reset everything. And during during that time, we did a case study on um, on Bonnie Dune, on uh, Randall, um, and also I met with uh, John Williams from Frog Sleep. And I just started to kind of think more about what I want. What's my next chapter? And I always went to hospitality and food and wine uh, and food and beverage industry in general. And I was like, even as a lawyer back in the day, I was like always when there was the client that was dealing with was hospitality, food and wine, I was there. So um, in 2005 and six, when I started to look into it, I was like, wow, that's super, I'm super intrigued by this whole world. Um, and I decided just to take a stab and say, see what's gonna happen. And uh, we started the first uh, cannonball was bottled back in 2006 uh, and we started selling it and we were sold out after five months um, and um, we didn't go in no shortcuts we literally went to some restaurants that we knew that we love to eat in palo alto some places uh, a store that uh, that we do our grocery shopping and i told him i'm local you should support the local people here and then the case of wine i gave him a case of wine the next day uh, he called me in the morning said you have another case that case is gone in less than 12 like you know i gave it to him on friday afternoon saturday morning he called me so i felt we are on something um, and um, I, I just, for me, it was just, uh, again, passion. And uh, it, we got super lucky uh, with the wine. And um, we really believe that we don't uh, just make, you know, um, wine and see what's, you know, uh, if we can just start chubbing it or pushing it in, into big grocery stores. We just really wanted to do it in a way that we 
will be proud to bring it to Friday night dinner or to friends party and people won't say, oh my God, I have to drink this wine again. We really wanted to make sure that the wine is one that will be proud and be happy to, to drink ourselves. Uh, in terms of the quality, it was very important for us to, and price, it was very important for us to hit that price point of under $20 on the shelf. We were really trying back in 2006 when we started, it was like one of the missions was not like, okay, we're in Napa winery and we can charge whatever we want. No, we knew that we need to hit a certain price points because we wanted to make sure that everybody will be able to enjoy it. Um, so that's what we, we kind of started the, the company and this is what we do today. We still make wine. Uh, most of our wines are under 20 doors on the Kenobo line is under 20 and also engines and cowboys is uh, they are like around 20 bucks. So we kind of uh, stick to that, uh, to that mission of uh, uh, wine by the people for the people, I call it. And, uh, and we, we stick by it. So Glennis and I, I don't know if you're drinking yet, Leslie, but we're drinking the sparkling rosé, Angels and Cowboys. So you have tell us a little bit about this wine. Oh, so, wait, you're drinking the red, Leslie. Did you pull up the red? I, I did. Okay, so you have to tell we us about the-, the red cannonball and the sparkling rosé. So I'll start with the red. You're drinking the cab, right? You're drinking the cab yeah. or the Merlot? You're drinking the, the cab. cab. Yeah, so that's that was our first, I mean, um, my wife is uh, not listening right now and when she will she'll give me that uh, shameless look at me I was like really so my first born was cannonball before our four kids and I always say that was my first born that was the four uh, the, the first wine we made um, and that's the wine that you that you are tasting right now it was very important for me you know as a as a young lawyer you go to every you go with the senior partner or managing partner of your law firm and there is an expense account. And of course, they obviously go to a steakhouse and they always pick those incredible wines that cost a fortune and arm and a leg. And you're like, okay, now I'm on my own, not a lawyer anymore. What can I, what can I afford? What can I drink? And then, then it started back then. So the cab that you drink is trying to, to, to deliver great quality in terms of it's got a beautiful fruit, a black fruit. Um, the tannins are well integrated into the wine. It's been in, in French oak for uh, between 14 to 16 months. It's usually between uh, 90 to 95 percent cab, and then the, the rest of it will be a little bit of Merlot, a little bit of uh, Syrah or Petit Syrah, just to give it a little bit more spice to it. But uh, it's it's one that can stand on its own, but you don't have to you know age it for like five years. You don't need to eat like a ribeye next to it or uh, something fatty. I mean, the wine is just, you can sip on it and really enjoy it on the afternoon as well. Um, and it's, it's one of the, you're drinking probably the 19, which is the current release. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're like 15 vintages into, into what we do. Uh, same price point as we were back in 2006 um, and really enjoy, uh, enjoy that wine. I mean, it's a lovely wine to drink now. It's a wine that will if people ask me for how long you age it, you age it between the wine that you pick it up uh, from the retail shop until you get home and you you drink it uh, an hour later. This is how you age our wine. Our wine, our wine are ready to drink. It's not something that you need to, to start this aging. something amazing. It is the same price point from 2006 that it is now. Yep. Yep. It is crazy. It's insane. If my CFO will be here, probably... Between him and my wife, I'll be slaughtered because of those two things. My firstborn was cannibal, and now the margins, obviously, as you, as we all know, the margins have been uh, hurting us in the in the industry drastically. Between Mother Nature and fires and and droughts in California, 
COVID uh, and all the all the issues that we're experiencing with freight costs and all the logistics, uh, all the logistical issues. Um, so yes, the the margins have been shrinking, but for me, I'm not doing it for the short run. We've been doing it for many years now, and I want to make sure that we give an amazing quality of what we do in every single one that we do. Yes, so our margins have been kind of um, a thin and not as great as they should be, uh, but uh, it's it's a wave, and I, I think we'll be able to 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 maintain that price point uh, and be able to to keep on making great wine and, and over deliver on the quality and still charge not more than. 15 dollars and restaurants are usually charging for that wine. You know, if you go to a restaurant between eight, 10 to 12 dollars, maybe for it just depends where you are. But the wine should be under 20. So it could be that in some places you'll find it more than 15 dollars, but for the most part, it should be under 20 for sure. Let's put it this way. Mm, have you had the same winemaker since 2006? No, I have. Uh, I, we started with one my one maker that was uh, started with me actually in 2006. Uh, and he uh, he retired five uh, five years ago, uh, and uh, and now have an amazing. Uh, Ondine Chatton is our current winemaker. She's been with us for five vintages, going into the sixth vintage now, and she's a phenomenal, phenomenal winemaker. One of uh, uh, we are lucky to have her as our winemaker. She's a phenomenal, just uh, uh, all in, uh, full heart, and tons of knowledge uh, and uh, just passion. To what we do, an amazing uh, um, understanding of, of mother nature and what to do and how to do things. So she's not a viniculturist in terms of that, that's not her job, but she's definitely involved with our growers. She goes into into the vineyards, uh, you know, speaking to the growers, making sure that they do what needs to happen. Um, and uh, it's been a blessing. She brought us tons of new relationship with new growers. She's based in Hillsburg in Sonoma in the heart of very close to the winery. So she is a first, you know, kind of gut of exactly what's going on with the vintage, with uh, climate, with harvest uh, on a daily basis. So it's just, uh, it's amazing uh, thing. Even though we don't own the vineyards, uh, she walks the vineyards almost on a, on a daily basis and, uh, and got a first hand of what's going on there. So that's how we do it. That's awesome. interesting. What other, um, so, I know you sent us the Sauvignon Blanc the, and the Cabernet Sauvignon from the Cannonball line. What other um, varietals or grapes are, are so, I see you produce in that line? So on the, on the Cannonball line, you are basically, I sent you the, the two most popular and two, like the ones that I, I mean, and I love all my kids and I love all the wines, but I think <laughs> it's one that really, that, that's our best selling wine on the Cannonball line is the Cannonball Cab and the Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, our Chardonnay is, is beautiful as well. It's it's just in between. The, you know, a lot of a lot of the Chardonnays from California, and we are overly oaked. You know, like a lot of you know buttery, creamy, a lot of malolactic. Uh, sometimes I've got all, you almost need a knife, you know, a steak knife to cut through the wine. Exactly. I mean, that's so thick. Um, so our wines is very balanced. You get a lot of the fruit. There is elements, obviously, of oak of vanilla flavors as well, but they're not overwhelming. They're not over the top, which is uh, which is great and, and great acidity to that wine. Uh, and the other wine um, is that, that we do is Merlot. And Merlot actually started, that's the first winemaker was the winemaker that actually started before he joined us. He was the winemaker of Blackstone. And Blackstone back in the day, back in the 90s, was the red wine that American turned into 
after the after the, the movie 60 minutes when they you know it was the, the aha moment how come the french people eat all that cheese drinks all the, you know drink so much wine and they and they they're healthy and they're fine and it was stop drinking white infantiles start drinking red wine and you'll be you'll be okay and that was the that was the french paradox it was the name of that episode in 60 minutes and and dennis uh, hill was the was our winemaker and and he from day one he said you know the minute i can after the cab, I want to start making Merlot as well. So he's the, he's the one who convinced me to put Merlot and the trade love Dennis and his Merlots. And, and uh, for the money, I would say, again, the, the Merlot is, is outstanding. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to try it because of the sideways movies and I just bring Pinot and Cab. I don't touch, I don't touch Merlot, but that, the Merlot that we do is, is, uh, is great. It's a really, really nice wine. So that's on the Cannonball side. We have those four wines, two reds, two whites, uh, equally delicious. Um, but uh, you got two of them, uh, which is the Sauvignon Blanc, which is super fresh and crisp and beautiful, um, and the cab. I drank the Sauvignon Blanc on one of our 101 days. I was just like, ha, ah, and I held the bottle to my neck because <laughs> it was so damn as I drank because I'm a big Sauvignon Blanc yeah. fan. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's that. And on the Angels and Cowboys, you're drinking, uh, you're drinking the, the Brut Rosé. We started actually, the first wine we made was the, the Rosé. So it's a still wine. Uh, we're trying to basically go after the, the Provence style. So very mm -hmm. French style. Um, I would say the, the grapes that we use, the varietal that, you, that we use is the same varietals that, that you used to make uh, uh, Rosé in Provence. Uh, so it's Grenache, Carignan, Syrah, Mont de Verre as well, that's the, going to be the, the, the four leading varietals on that blend. Uh, and it's also Noma Fruit, uh, where the winery is. And uh, it's been one of the best creation we made. And it's doing really, really well. We, every week getting sold out. Uh, and uh, we love that wine. It's delicious. I was yeah. waiting for that moment. That's one of those things that, you know, when I moved here, uh, drinking a rosé in Europe and it was the one it was you can only find it in Chicago in the summer you can only find it in the Hamptons you can only find it in in Hollywood in in you know in LA but you come to to San Francisco you need to find a very funky restaurant in the winter that will ever was about the glass I'm talking about 15 18 years ago and uh, and now you have like you know a full list a full like you can have 10 roses you know on a wine list now and which is incredible and all year round you, you can go to Chicago in the middle of the winter and they they sell they sell uh, rosé at the store so we something absolutely happened and we talked earlier you talked earlier about trends and things and that's a trend that is is staying here so some sometimes trends are a good thing they actually they will stick they're not leaving us so and hopefully this is the case and that's a wine that is super versatile and you can have it with a lot of different things. And, and I love, love, love that wine. And it's, uh, it's doing really, really well. And I really enjoy it. It's crisp. It's clean. Uh, it's got beautiful aromas of strawberries and, and fruit. And uh, it's just a lovely, lovely, lovely wine. Uh, the other wine um, that we do, we do two bubbles. So we do a Brut and a Brut Rosé. You are drinking the Brut Rosé right now. So it's uh, this hour, again, inspiration from the French people from Champagne. Uh, same varietal that, that used in Champagne, uh, Chardonnay, Pinot Minier, Pinot Noir. Uh, I love the Champagne method in terms of the, uh, the, and the flavors that I love and the aromas that I love, I like the brioche, like fresh croissant, and you just open the croissant and you smell 
uh, almost like even just the dough of croissant of the yeast I really really love and that's kind of what we we were trying to do so this has been on lease uh, after the first fermentation in the bottle for at least um, 12 months before we disgorge it and then we're sitting another 12 months uh, in the bottle before we release the wine so that wine is treated I don't want to say it's champagne it's not champagne just to be clear are they gonna get sued um but uh, it's uh, the, the traditional method what we say and it's done inspired by champagne and we really kind of like it's the closest thing that we could have done in terms of to champagne is this wine for a fraction of, obviously of the price if you compare it to to champagne uh, so that's one we do brut and we do brut rosé so that's the two on the bubble side and then we have the Last one, which we don't have, I think, is the red blend, which is a Zinfandel blend, which is also under Angels and Cowboys, which is more of a, we call it a serious wine, but the wine that like, say, I need a ribeye next to me now, and I need some fat on the grill or a good burger or something like that. But that's a beautiful wine. It is, again, the interpretation of a blend from now, from uh, Sonoma, which has got, uh, the base is going to be Zinfandel. So we got that luscious, beautiful spice, herb, going on there but we had uh, we also blended with some Syrah and Carignan as well and Petit Syrah and Sangiovese as well so it's got tons of different layers and total amazing structure and it's a wine that can hold you know as I said a nice steak with it and it's just uh, it's a lovely wine and again it's for 20 20 dollars 22 dollars you can find that wine as well so very I will call it an affordable luxury if you can't afford the uh, spending, you know, fifty dollars for a red blend, such as the Prisoner or anything like that. I think it's uh, we've been called many times uh, an affordable luxury. So it's a Prisoner on a budget, I will say, in terms of the uh, the quality of the wine. So last question, two questions on the. So how did you come up with Angels and Cowboys? You told us how you came up with Cannibal, but how did you come up with the name Angels and Cowboys or the rationale behind it? And did you say the Angels and Cowboys is also under 20 or 20, about $20? Yeah, yeah. Well? So the, the, rosé, oh the rosé is around $16 and the, the Brut and the Brut was there around $22 and the Red Blend is around $20. So I think it's a, it's, I hope you agree with me. It's a good quality. It's a great, you know, value. Oh my God, money. yes. And, yes. And, yeah, and when we when we started the when we started everything, I think one of the reasons it was it worked for us. It's yeah, like it's uh, the recession basically hit in two thousand and eight, and a lot of people had to downgrade from drinking their expensive wine. Mm. And not everybody can afford to drink Schaefer or Stag's Leap on a on a daily basis. And it was hey, let's let's have something that is that uh, we can actually enjoy on a daily basis. That is not that not cost. Uh, you know, in the 50, 60, 70, $100, but more affordable. And, and 15, $20 is something that you, you want to splurge and enjoy and you can do it, uh, you can do it daily. And I think this is how we started, basically. Um, that's it. I don't know if I answered uh, your story you behind about the names. Yeah, the story behind yeah, the, the names. So I can't, I won't take any credit. So, so two things. First of all, um, Angels and Cowboys. So we have an amazing uh, graphic designer that is uh, is an iconic graphic designer from the Bay Area, from San Anselmo, uh, originally born and raised actually in Oklahoma, but moved. His name is Michael Schwab, and he's a phenomenal uh, graphic designer. He did the Golden Gate National Park. So he was commissioned to do all the Golden Gate National Park icons, so Coit Tower, Alcatraz, 
uh, Millwoods, um, Christie Fields, Golden Gate Bridge, you name it. He was behind it and he did all those amazing posters that you can find at the MoMA Museum. Um, and then he commissioned by the Amtrak to do a lot of the cities around the country as well. And he did the project for Pete's uh, Coffee and Tea. So he did a lot of different things. And we were lucky enough and blessed to find him. Uh, he did the uh, Robert Mondavi 70th birthday. He did the Muhammad Ali Institute. He did a lot of different things. And seriously, we got super lucky. And he agreed to do uh, our label for both Cannonball and Angels and Cowboys. Angels and Cowboys, something that was close and dear to his heart. So um, that's all him. In terms of the name, it was all him. Um, uh, so he did a really great job with that. And Cannonball for me was, I couldn't put vineyards on the label. I couldn't put uh, uh, chateaus on the labels because we don't own any chateaus uh, and uh, I don't own uh, my own vineyards. I wasn't born you know, to, to that kind of a family. So uh, Cannonball was also a message in my mind that having a boy, having fun again, was my, my message to the trade was like uh, stop being so pretentious and arrogant and snobbish about wine. Uh, let's, and for consumers as well, wine should be fun. And I think when you're doing a cannonball, it's having fun again. You forget about all the other problems in life. I mean, especially for kids. Kids don't have all those issues that we adults have. You know, we don't deal with mortgages, tuition fees, rent, uh, alimony in some cases. This is really, we just, so let's be kids again. Stop talking about what is the right glassware and what's the right temperature and what's the right, what we need to pair it with and what do we need to, like, no, stop for one second. Let's just have fun again. I think this is kind of, for me, the message uh, is the inner child that should be in each one of us, no matter if you're four years old or 90 years old. We're all kids and uh, just enjoying doing a cannonball and diving into a you know, pool, a pebble, like, you know, a pedal, a, a river, a creek, wherever that is. Uh, it's for everyone. We, we don't discriminate. Can you tell us about your wine buying techniques? Like how do, how do you buy like um, affordable versus luxury? And how do you keep like a, a wine list like nice and lean? It's a good question. I mean, I, I think like when I was in Salt Lake City, which is much more of an emerging market, I tried to keep the bulk of my wine list under under $100. Um, uh, with with a couple of, you know, hundred to two hundred dollar options. But I, I try and like I try to build a list that I would want to drink. Um, and I'm I'm not one to to go out and drink Brown Crew Burgundy on a regular basis. So uh, I try and have a very reasonable distribution of prices on my list. Uh, when I moved up to Park City, it is a little bit more of like a, a tourist ski town here. Um, so I do have some more higher end options, but I, I'm very much try and stay true to like the majority of the list being under a hundred dollars um, and try and create a bunch of variety when it comes to countries and grapes in that, in that subcategory. Do you have someone who helps you narrow that down? Cause there are a lot of wines that are under 20 that are not that great. And, and you said earlier that you have some angels and cowboy or some cannibal wines on your list. Is there something that jumped out at you with those wines? So I'm in, being in the state of Utah is kind of an animal in and of itself. Uh, this is a control state and it is the, it is the most controlled state in the country. Um, the people that dictate the alcohol laws in Utah are primarily members of the LDS church, meaning that they don't consume alcohol. 
um, but they think that it's appropriate to be controlling it. Um, so uh, I, uh, so we, we buy everything in the state through the state stores. Uh, for those of you that live in Virginia, maybe, or have lived in Virginia, it's like buying from the ABC stores there. I need to put it in an order and go pick it up. And it, it, there's multiple issues with that. Um, I pay full retail price for everything in Utah. Most restaurants in any other market gets wholesale pricing, gets restaurant pricing, you get case breaks. Uh, you get uh, economies of scale. The more you buy, the cheaper that they make the wine for you. It's also very customer friendly. If you're working with a distributor, they're on your side. They're going to give you a good deal. Uh, that's not the case here. We get treated with sometimes open hostility from the state. Um, we pay full retail price for everything. Um, but to, to sort of piggyback off of Yoav, we do have some amazing uh, brokers here. Uh, like Libation SLC, who he works with, um, that do their part to introduce interesting wines into the state. And that's where I sort of get, uh, I pick wines based on price. Like I go to the broker first. Uh, I do a lot of back label shopping too. So the first, the first question for international wines is who's the importer and what's their ethos? Uh, just because like, if I'm not familiar with the producer, if they're a French producer or German producer an Italian producer, um, I can typically look at the importer and figure out what, what their ethos is in terms of winemaking, in terms of farming, in terms of production. Uh, and it's people like, like the brokers in Utah that are fighting the good fight and dealing with a lot of bureaucratic bullshit to that help get me good wines at good prices. Yeah, that's a much harder job than I thought. That stressed me out for a second. Uh, being able to drink a lot of wines, what makes up for it? Well, I'm into that. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, so I have a question. Like, how um, do you have strategies on how you buy your wine? I know you have a very specific palate, but I've seen several Sauvignon Blancs on your site. And I know you were not particular about that grape. So you're I thinking more. <laughs> so please tell us how, how you uh, shop for your wine club. Well, I, I shop for the masses because if I just shop for me, everything would be like petite Bordeaux and, and you know, a couple sparklings here or there. So I, I have to be honest with you. I, I look, I try to look beyond, um, you know, we want great wine, but I try to look for the story behind the wines. So you're not going to see like mass produced wines in our shop at all. And um, I purposely work with small distributors because the, you know, the big boys are like, you're a pimple on an elephant's butt, but the small distributors are going to take time with you and, um, and they're going to sit down and do a tasting and um, if the winemaker's in town, you're not going to be like, 25th on the list, if you're lucky, to have a couple of seconds with the winemaker. So I think that's important. And since we are so small, I want our members to feel like this is something that they wouldn't discover at their local corner store. All I know is that sparkling Beaujolais that I had this weekend, honey. Mm -mm. you don't know how many dms i got about that wine 
Did you? Well, see, and the, and the issue was that you had to be a part of your wine club to access it. Yes, this so, is true. So, this yeah. is you know, I was getting ready to say, now, when I went down there, because I'm not a part of the wine club, but I do buy I was like, you know, damn well, I didn't see no sparkly Beaujolais. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, now here we go. Excuse us. Excuse Man. us, yes. Family, All I'm saying. Listen, join the wine club. That's what I mean. I think that's the that's the answer. I think but, that's the answer. Plus, you get oh, the non wine club wine. So, man, that mm-hmm. wine was good, y'all. That's okay. Came a lot to you. <laughs> y'all getting the side eye. <laughs> uh, so we have a closeout um uh, amount of questions for y'all and you know what we all can participate if we have something to contribute this is food in your phone okay so i was on yav's instagram it's full of delicious food delicious food and i thought i would give him a category and he would tell us what food he has in his phone from each category. Now, Mike, Glennis, Leslie, Tanisha, if y'all have some food uh, in your phone that's, that falls in this category, just yell out. We ready? Yes. All right. The first one is an appetizer. You have, what is the appetizer you have last in your phone? Oh, the last one, I don't know, but I will say... Appetizers uh, will be anything from like fresh tomatoes and uh, mm. mozzarella, or I would go with hamachi, um, like fresh hamachi, yellowtail. Mm. It will be my appetizers quickly if I need to like kind of pick two. Okay, got you. Anybody else have an appetizer on their phone? I do. I'm trying. <laughs> Take your time. We I we we can edit this out. Uh, just photograph. I just photographed one over at the restaurant, blistered shishito peppers with fermented green beans and a soy glaze. First of all, that sounds wonderful. It was delicious. <laughs> that sounds so good. Man. He's just talking dirty to us, right? <laughs> oh, okay. Mine was a, because um, I haven't been out to a dinner dinner since I've got back from Belize, but it was a, um, I don't know if you all could see it. You see that? What's oh, that? What's that? A beet? Beets? It's beet. Yes, it's a beet on what? Kalaloo. So it's a kalaloo Ooh. salad with a beet. Wow. So that mm. was the, that was the because you got a three course meal and I ordered this salad because that beet is pickled just right. You don't taste a lot of the iron. Sometimes you eat a beet and you're like, Yeah, oh my mm-hmm. God, I feel like mm-hmm. I'm eating dirt. Mm-hmm. This is just pickled just right, and they make it into that rose. And they have the Kalaloo as the green under it, their version of spinach. So that was delicious. And it's so pretty too. So you had to take it. It is very pretty. (laughs) Gorgeous. Anybody else have an appetizer? Um, I have one. It is, God, it's it's a video. So I I don't know if I can actually show y'all, but it's mushrooms, but it has... It's like mushrooms on the outside and it has a poached egg in the middle. But the mushrooms, okay, so here it is. Ooh. Mushrooms, oh. yeah. So it was 
very very sexy like it you know the 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 video doesn't do it justice but it was like don't do that glennis it was like right, exactly it was like, right. she can mute herself she have, bad. Yes. yeah it was like season mushrooms um at a spanish restaurant with a poached egg in the middle and you break the egg and then they serve bread with it god it was so good yeah the it was, mushrooms it was really sound good. marvelous you don't like post eggs you don't like eggs. No, like no runny egg. I want to eat oh. the egg white. Mm. And it's got to be hard boiled or scrambled. Ah, you so black. <laughs> Wait a little bit. It's only egg whites now. So read up. Oh, okay. Don't eat the yolk no more. Uh-oh. All right. <laughs> okay. Go okay. Ahead, so our next category is breakfast. You have, you go first. Breakfast. Breakfast is the. I, maybe I have something here that I can immediately think about. But I would. I would probably go if uh, old school, uh, everything bagel. Yeah. Uh, just. I mean, I was at New York a month ago, uh, and I took my son. I was, you know, wherever I travel, I always bring food with me back home. Um, and it was the first time for him to actually experience in person Russ and Daughters uh, in New York in the yes. Lower side. Absolutely. And it's an yes. institution. It's a real institution. It's an amazing, amazing experience just to walk. It's super small, but it's a beautiful place. And it just stayed like it's amazing how you walk in and you feel like you're back in the in the 40s or 50s. I don't know. Like it's really, really special. Anyway, so just the old school, everything bagel with... Um, cream cheese and uh, I I love the the New Zealand smoked salmon but mm. all I mean everything that they do all the all the smoked fish is just incredible so just you know with uh, fresh tomato and uh, onion obviously and capers and you don't need more than that when you're in nope. New York on a, in the morning this is the yeah. best uh, best that it gets really so in, being with my son there was uh, the full experience I really really enjoy that that's really special yeah Mike, what about you? Cinnamon roll. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. We serve a pretty epic cinnamon roll at the restaurant, and it's the size of my head. We have a super talented pastry (laughs) chef, uh, and uh, we start the day with 30, um, and we typically sell out, but when we don't, I get a cinnamon roll. So uh, it is pretty much a staple of my Sunday diet, for better or for worse, probably for worse. (laughs) Good for your hearts. Yeah. <laughs> Do you buy the, um, I was at a bagel shop and they sell now the everything bagel seasoning. Yeah. Yeah. Have it. Mm-hmm. yeah you have it. We buy it by the pound. I think my kids just, like, <laughs> they can't, you can't see brick when they put it on their sandwich. You can't see anything but the everything bagel. Oh, here it Denise is. Glittis, <laughs> Leslie, anything? I don't know if you can see it. Uh, oh, wait. Move it over a little. Oh, my God. That Ooh, looks so good. Oh, oh, my God. Nice looking bagel. See, this is what I that's, saw all on his Instagram. It. It's nothing but food. Delicious food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody else breakfast pictures? I'm, I mean, take, see, because the last breakfast I had was a protein box from Starbucks with the two boiled eggs, mm-hmm. the fruit. Which and the I apples love and the cheese and, and the peanut butter. Yes, mm-hmm. I can eat that every day. Um, so I haven't had anything exotic. 
for breakfast. But when I go home to Jersey, I will be going to my favorite bagel shop. So, yo, I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to say I want to say something for a second. I mean, it's it's really interesting that there was Instagram. You know, a lot of people are doing it. I don't know to to show off or like, hey, I've been here. I drank that. I was. It's just amazing to be on that memory lane when you go back. I mean, it's the only. It's a, such a nice thing that you can go back back. You know, when my parents were young and they used to go places and they used to do those uh, slides and we used to sit. Everybody, yeah. all the guests used to sit. All the family in the family room and watch what they but you go back in time and you have those special moments of like special especially for us people in the in the wine hospitality business I mean it takes you back in time to those people that you met along the way or special food that you tasted with people and it just creates amazing amazing memories so it's not just about uh, it doesn't have to be fake book it doesn't have to be some of it is really genuine and, and and beautiful i just have i'm looking now i didn't do that for a very long time so sorry to have that that moment uh, with you but it's just really interesting to see the the i have basically food and wine uh, i don't have kid family coffee is another thing that i love but it's really interesting to see the photos that i i have and it's a lot of memories from all the years i've been sharing it with friends and family and people that you meet in the industry which i I see them as as friends and partners, so it's uh, super interesting. Sorry for taking. Uh, oh no, no, absolutely. You uh, no, you make a great point because th- I remember like one of the first like real conversations I had with Tanisha when I first met her many moons ago. She was like, "I struggle between uh, capturing content and being present," and. I think that's that's always going to be a battle for it's at least somewhere in like our age, you know, we're we're older. We don't want to be the ones always holding the camera up, sort of just like being disconnected. But yeah. a lot of times yeah. you just want to sit the phone down, turn it off or put it to the side and just like just breathe this in. This is a moment you're going to remember this. So yep. it's it's always a struggle. So, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Tanisha, I don't even know if you remember that. I mean, I drop gems pretty regularly, so I can't remember them all. So I'll just take that. Wow. As, yes, I do believe wow. I said something. Okay. <laughs> God, I can't stand you. My God. <laughs> Um, I mean croissants, but like I don't have any pictures of croissants and okay. like latte art in my phone. All right. Uh okay, so I have one picture. Um, not too long ago, I made savory oatmeal. Well, it's not a picture, it's a video, Ooh. but uh it was um interesting because I do not like oatmeal. So I made a point like, let's see if I like oatmeal is if it's in a different way. I'll just show you the rest of it. But that's how it was. It had a post egg on it, had mushrooms and kale in there. It was good. I liked it. I, I actually liked it. It was very different. Uh, the texture is something I had to get used to, but I liked it. So savory oatmeal. How fun. So Yuav yeah, and Mike, please tell everybody where they can follow you and your businesses. Uh, you can go ahead and give Hearth and Hill, Hills Kitchen, and Urban Hill a follow on Instagram. And we post plenty of stuff about wine. Done. 
Those are really easy to remember, especially that beautiful name of Hill. Awesome. Our, our owner will love that he got the branding right with that. <laughs> Following us on Angels and Cowboys Wines on Instagram, Cannibal Wines on Instagram. Um, so, and then we have uh, Astrolab Wines as well, which is the New Zealand wine that we didn't really talk about. Uh, amazing New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Gris, Chenin Blanc. Um, that we bring from New Zealand. And then we have another project of Vino Verde in Portugal called Twin Vines. So the name of uh, the two daughters of the uh, twins that are the seventh generation, or actually they are the eighth generation of the winery uh, over there. So this is kind of, uh, so Twin Vines is one, um, Astrolab Wines, Cannonball Wines and Angels and Cowboys. That's the four different uh, things. and. That's it. That's uh, we can uh, we post uh, pretty regularly over there, and if you want to know more information on the on the wines, obviously uh, we have a website with all the information under the portfolio of sharesplashwines.com. So sharesplash.com. Nice. Yep. Thank you nice. very much, gentlemen. Thank you for joining Thank us you. this week. This was great. Okay. Yeah, you guys Thank were you great. Thank you for the great awesome. cab. Yeah, thank you for the awesome. awesome. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Keep on thank you so Mike. much for having thank me. You. Yeah, the absolutely. Sauvignon Blanc and the Rose Brute was thank delicious. You. Thank you, thank you. Should bring it you to your wine club. <laughs> yeah. oh. About that, you know, just saying, club, just saying. Our wine club <laughs> focuses on female winemakers. So yes. yeah, so Undine, all our wines are done by Undine Chatton. So. You have a, a legendary winemaker, actually. She's a, a phenomenal. Um, you should talk to her anyway. I think you will love love her. And in uh, Astrolab, uh, the daughter of Simon is the assistant winemaker. Simon is the, the head winemaker, but it's a family-owned business in uh, New Zealand. Everything is sustainable. A lot of it is organic, and they do phenomenal wines as well. Uh, and they're going to be the wine experience in October in New York. So I, we should talk offline. And oh, do a absolutely. Of podcast, but yeah. I would, I would love to yeah. kind of just to get to I'll know be, one thing yeah. would be amazing for you. I will reach out to you. Um... Thanks for joining this world suite. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Leave us five stars and leave us a comment. We love ratings. Also, be sure to follow all of us on social media. Myself at Buy Me Up. Glenn is at Vino Noir. Girl Meets Glass is Tanisha. Vino 301 is Leslie. And you can follow the Swirl Suite podcast account at Swirl Suite. The Swirl Suite is now a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This episode has been edited and produced by Vime Up Media. <laughs>